The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Carl, thanks so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour, this unsettled market. Whether stocks are ready to rally or are they ready for more wreckage? We'll discuss and debate that with the Investment Committee. Joining me for the hour today, Jenny Harrington, Josh Brown, John Ajarian is the co-founder of MarketRebellion.com. With me here at Post 9 at the New York Stock Exchange is Jim Labenthal. It's good to see you. I do want to check the markets. First and foremost, 12 noon in the east. Let's show you where we stand because we, um, we've taken a bit of a turn downward. S&P 500 is uh, off by a little more than 1% now. It's a loss of 41 points, 38.93. So we're watching some key levels there, 31,474. The Dow is now down by 359 points. NASDAQ under some pressure, a little bit less than the other major averages, but nonetheless, it's red there. And there's the 10-year note yield, 283. So yields have been dropping, uh, and stocks have been trying to figure out where they want to go today. And Jim Labenthal, for a minute, it felt like we wanted to rip. And then in an instant, it felt like we wanted to dip. And I'm just wondering how you are feeling about um, this market that you have maintained is going through but a correction and nothing more. Uh, Well phrased question, because it is a question of feeling. And I do believe this is my opinion. Give me a little rope to hang myself. Uh, It's my opinion that this is a market that's trading on emotions and not rational logic. Um, Every day for the last however many days, you get this pop in the morning and then it dribbles off. Uh, That is, to me, an indication of the market wants to try to focus on the fundamentals of an economy that is still strong. Think about jobless claims that have been around this 200,000 level for a long time now. And frankly, at the company level, the fundamentals look good. I know we can take issue, and we'll discuss Disney later, but whether it's Disney, whether it's Qualcomm, whether it's Cleveland Cliffs, a number of companies that I follow, the results have come in and the guidance much better than expected. But this market does not care, Scott because this is a market that's based on fear, in my opinion. Now, I'll say one last thing. Fear lasts for a little while, and then it wears itself out, and at the end of the day, it is fundamentals that should propel this higher. So, Josh, I mean, you, you, you came in today looking at the move in yields, the move in oil, and thinking, you know what? Maybe we are ready for a big rip higher, and we haven't been able to put it together yet. Now, it's a long session. We're only talking 12.02 and 23 seconds at this moment, so who knows what can happen for the rest of the day. <laughs> But just take me through your thought process on why you sent us that note today. I think there's a massive rip brewing right now. And I think uh, there's really only a couple of things that you have to pay attention to. And by the way, if you're not like a full-time trader, you should not be out there trying to do this uh, because of just how treacherous markets have become. There is no trend. It's very, very choppy. The rally this morning was led by the junkiest of junk. Uh, electric vehicles, our arc was up 8%. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, I think what you have to watch right now, if Bitcoin can stabilize and this stablecoin issue doesn't look like it's systemic, or at least not this week, uh, that's important. If bonds continue to catch this bid, which is now on day three, 
and we see, we see uh, yields lower, that's important. If crude oil fails to rally here uh, and, even, and even heads lower, that's important. And the last thing, Apple. Apple is the problem today. It's very rare this year that anyone's been able to say that. But when you see something like, uh, you, you see Amazon up three or 4% and Apple holding us back, uh, again, we don't typically see that type of market uh, in 2022. But if Apple could stabilize and catch a bid, if those things all fall into place, which they're trying to, uh, we could have a thousand point Dow rally. We could have a three or 4% rip in the net. Absolutely. Given how oversold we are, that doesn't mean the bear market's over, but these things do get a break every once in a while. So that's what I'm paying attention to. Once again, mm -hmm. Bitcoin stabilize and the stable right. coin things stop being a, 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 an issue. Uh, Apple, oil down, bonds higher. Those four things, if they fall into place today, tomorrow, you're going to get a really big rip here in the markets. Uh, do yeah, what gotta, you will with it, but that's how I see it. I got I to gotta say, John, I mean, Josh makes some great points here, and, and they're being, let me say, echoed by some of those that I speak with on a fairly regular basis who are, are growing quite concerned, I think it's fair to say, about what's happening in the crypto market and the amount of wealth destruction mm -hmm. that has happened there I mean, we're talking like $800 billion or so in a month, four to six weeks. A lot of which, Doc, has come from 25 to 30-year-old people um, who can ill afford to lose the kind of money that they may be losing in this kind of a market. And let me also say that the, the concern is about when you have this kind of dislocation in, a, in any asset class, there's ripples to it. And we just don't know what those oh, are yes. yet. And, 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 and some of the smartest investors that I talk to are now calling this the no mass market. No more. Because they don't know what's happening under the surface with crypto. They're not sure how to read what's happening in the bond market nor the stock market and are confounded by the same things, Doc, that we talked about at the top of this show. At one minute, it looks like the market's going to rip. The next minute, it looks like the market's going to dip. And I don't know what in the world's going on. So I'm out no mass. Doc? Yeah. Well, um, as Josh said, uh, you know, the junk was what was really ripping this morning, Scott. Junk being like uh, GameStop, GME. It was up $31. That's the range on the day. Um, it went to 108, believe it or not, uh, on just this frenzied buying out of the apes again, because I can't believe anybody else is diving into this one, Scott. Um, but we do need to still see, uh, I don't disagree about the possibility of a rally. I don't know that we're there yet. I was talking with Patty, our producer, about um, the uh, uh, Mike Wilson call for 3,800 to 3,850, and we broke through 3,900 today and got very close to Michael's uh, higher end of that call. Um, but I haven't seen enough of the despair. To your point, Scott, uh, there are ripples that are felt when you shave uh, half a trillion dollars off of uh, the crypto markets like that with UST and with Luna and with the Luna C that has gone on over there with that uh, struggle to try to hold that stable coin together, um, the UST. But I think overall, um, we are seeing some signs and that interest rate picture, Scott, that's one that I drill right in on because you and I were going to talk yesterday, and then, uh, you know, there was a lot of interesting things to talk about in overtime, but TLT, 
that is one where we've seen big upside buying of calls, the opposite of what we've seen for weeks and months. So that means people are willing to bet 42,000 of those trading yesterday um, that the June 118 strike, we've got there today like that. We went from 116 yesterday to 118.77 today. And when a bullish engulfing candle shows up twice in a week, Monday and again yesterday, um, which is what our technician, A.J. Monty, says, um, mm -hmm. I got to believe that his call to 123 might be accurate. If we get that, Scott, that's going to be a lot of great uh, uh, drive for the market. People will get a little more uh, sanguine about things rather than scared and desperate about things. Yeah. But Doc, John, have, TLT um, is HODing right now. Yep, yep. I, th I think you're right, Josh. Um, it, we're likely to see a breakout to the upside in this, which means, of course, TLT up, rates down. That's something that's going to be good. Watch and see if you see the tech stocks turn with this, if not today, Scott, tomorrow. Certainly keep our eyes there. And, um, you know, speaking of, speaking of those tech stocks, Jenny, it's the ones that Josh mentioned at the top of the show. If you think we are ready for some sort of powerful move higher, if, if we could call it that, you have to get the stabilization or at least the leadership uh, in the apples. 141.75 right now. Uh, it's still down by three and a quarter percent. Microsoft right now. I mean, these are the stocks that people are watching, uh, everybody. Uh, 255 on Microsoft. That's still a loss of two percent. Like to see those start to turn before you can, Jenny, start to declare that the worst may be behind us. Well, I don't, I don't actually think that's right. I don't think that you need to see them start to turn. I actually think to say, you know, hey, the market is ready to rip is the wrong way to think about the environment that we're in. To think about a market that's going to rip is really applying yesteryear's playbook to today. And we're in a very different environment. To say that we're oversold, I think is incorrect. The market's, yeah, we're down from 21 times on the S&P 500 to 17 times. There are areas out there that, ha that are down 70 and 80%. We know that. But broadly, we are not oversold. At 17 times, that's above the 25-year average, and it's also way above where the market usually trades in an inflationary environment, which is kind of in a 14 to 16 multiple point area. So, you know, so I take that and I look at it and I think to myself, where are we? I think we're in a bottoming process. I think it's going to be long, it's going to be messy. I also do not believe that Fang is going to have the leadership for the next 10 years that it did for the past 10 years. So if I take that and apply it to how I'm looking out, you don't need Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft to continue to outperform, or sorry, to be the leaders on the way up. In fact, there were interesting headlines today saying that Apple's no longer the largest company in the world. Saudi Aramco overtook that position. I think that we need to look for leadership from other companies. Call it Chevron, Exxon, IBM, Pfizer, Cisco, you know, whoever, all sorts of other companies. They can take the leadership position. So I'm not looking at Apple to lead us out of this mess. They don't need to. And frankly, with respect to Apple, I think we need to get real and realize that this is a mature tech company now. And mature tech companies don't trade at 23 times earnings. They trade where Cisco trades trades more like 13 times. So we just need okay. to adjust the lens, get real, understand that they're not going to do for us what they've done in the past. So Josh Brown, um, I mean, I feel like I need to go to you here because Jenny just basically disagreed with most of what you said. Uh, we're not oversold and FANG doesn't matter nearly to the degree of that you said it does. Uh, Apple and Microsoft effectively don't matter in turning this market higher. Everything Jenny just said is wrong. No, I'm kidding. 
Um, Jenny's arguing something different <laughs> than what I said. When we say, when we, when we say leadership, I'm not suggesting wrestle. that <laughs> Apple will. Jenny, I'm not suggesting that Apple will be the biggest percentage gain. Of course it won't. And it is a mature tech company. And I, I completely agree with you. I don't think that if the market turns, Apple is going to give you the most bang for your buck. Mathematically, it's impossible. Listen to me now. Impossible mm -mm. for the S&P 500, Dow, and NASDAQ to turn if that stock continues to sell off 2 and 3% a day. You don't have to say it's the right stock to buy. That's Josh, not what I'm saying. Josh, 7% Mathematically. Hold on. Okay. Please, please. Yeah. You spoke. I'll speak. And then you'll speak again, I'm sure. You also don't know what the word oversold means. It's a technical term. It has nothing to do with the PE multiple. I'm talking about RSI. So RSI is 31 right now. Statistically, that is the definition of oversold. I don't mean oversold like, oh, it's, it's so cheap or the PE ratio is 17, it should go to 15. We're not arguing the same things, you and I. RSI 30, oversold. Like, talk to anyone that actually knows what the textbook definition of oversold is. They're not talking about PE multiple. They're talking about RSI. So it could get more oversold, but statistically, it's 31, 31.95 on the S&P. At 30, it's statistically oversold. So that's what I'm talking about. We're not arguing with each other. We're literally talking about two different things. Okay. I'll give you that on the oversold part. I'm going to stick with my definition of oversold. And I know that, you know, if we look back to March of 2020, when the market was trading down at 13 and a half times, we were all saying, oh, the market's oversold because we're trading at 13 and a half times. And that is well, too, RSI then too, was low um, too. So, <laughs> okay. I'm just saying you can choose different measures for different things. Getting back That's to fine. Apple but and the mathematical I, I, part of that. Yeah. Apple's about Go ahead. Okay. But Apple's about 7% of the index. That is a lot, but you don't need 7%. Like it could sit dead for the next year and the market could still be okay. You could say it's oh my god, it's 7% or you could say it's only 7%. That's Take your pick on the, how you're going to view it. Not, I'm taking my pick as it's only 7%. It's, it's not necessarily the point though. Jim, I, I'll turn to you. The point that I'm trying to make at at the top and you know they can argue about it or disagree with it, and it really doesn't make a difference. Um, the market, I don't think, can, can turn from here anywhere for a, a, a sizable rip. Josh used the word rip. Um, without Apple and Microsoft and stocks like that. It's just not going to happen. I, you can't have a huge move in the market higher and those stocks still stay in the trash can. Yeah. A acknowledging we're now having a different discussion than Jenny and Josh were, I agree. I mean, it's hard to argue the opposite of that. And it's not something that I would even want anyway. I want the whole market to rally. I will tell you that the one portion of the market that I don't think is going to rally are the ARC type of stocks. That's not where I think we should look for outperformance. And whether we're having a discussion about short-term oversold, long-term investment is not relevant to the point you're making, which I frankly agree with, that you do need Apple and Amazon $2 billion, uh, excuse me, $2 trillion, trillion dollar market cap companies Freudian, to perform. Freudian slip. Let's hope it doesn't get down to that. Better not. <laughs> Look, you, you, speaking of <laughs> sort of stocks you're tired of looking at going down, yep. um, Twilio, yeah. you sold it. Just sick of looking at it? I mean, it's like you're in my head today, okay? Yeah, I am sick of looking at it. This was a stock all on me. It was a 1.2% position when I bought it. It's a 0.6% position now. And that's all on Twilio and my choosing it. But it's look, it could double from here. And what's it going to add to my portfolio performance? Six-tenths of a percent? I don't care. 
It's an eyesore. I don't know how to value it. It was an area of the market that I wanted to see what it was like. I've realized from experience now, I'm not missing anything. I'll stick with my overweight to cyclicals. I'll stick to my still healthy allocation to growth at a reasonable price tech stocks. And coming out of this market nadir, I'm not looking to Twilio to carry the way. Dr. J, I mean, to the Apple idea, as we really focus so heavily on it, Fundstrat's Mark Newton, he is the technician over there. Uh, there's the support violation of Apple of 150 uh, keeps technology and market indices moving lower. Um, so he speaks directly to the importance of a stock like that with a market cap the likes of which it has, the ownership that it does enjoy from uh, you know, mm-hmm. such a tremendously large swath of, of investors. Bottom line, Apple's dropped to 150. Should take this down to challenge last October's lows of near 138. Um, is, is that where Apple might Ooh. head? Um, gosh, it sure could, Scott. Um, the, uh, uh, it, it's not just indiscriminate selling. In Apple, I believe it's being tapped as a source of funds um, for many of the folks, yes. some of whom had the losses that Josh mentioned um, from cryptocurrencies and you mentioned from crypto, um, and others that are just trying to uh, get out of the way of what looks like a train wreck on the way down to 3800 or 3850 so if you plugged in those numbers and plugged Apple into that scenario, you would probably say, okay, um, 138 or thereabouts, gosh, we're not far from that right now. Um, and I've been rolling my covered calls down. Coming into yesterday, the lowest strike I had was, I think, at the 152.50 strike, Scott, uh, one week, two weeks, and three weeks out into the future. Now they're all down to the 150 strike. The good news is I'm making more money pulling that off the table as we roll down. The bad news is it's not enough to offset the 3% decline in the stock today. Yeah. Um, we have Heisey. Is he ready? Let's bring in our market headliner now. He's Chris Heisey. He's the chief investment officer at Merrill and Bank of America Private Bank. He joins us now. Chris, welcome back. It's good to see you. Why don't you answer the question of the moment? Are we ready for a, a rip in this market? Or are we still feeling like we could have another larger dip. Well, in terms of the rip, I, I, you know, the market, as you guys have all been discussing, tries it almost every morning. Uh, this is classic portfolio repositioning. Whenever there's a rip, there are certain asset managers out there that are taking that cue and starting to sell into whatever little strength there is. Um, I do believe that whatever rule or whatever technical factor you look at or whatever indicator you look at to determine whether something's oversold, when 70% of the NASDAQ is down uh, more in a bear market, down more than 20% from their all-time high and 52 weeks, and 60% of the S&P is that way, I think you can say there's a good portion of the market that's oversold, um, whatever indicator you want to look at. Um, if you want to look at valuation, uh, valuation on a go-forward basis is going to be determined, at least in my opinion, by the level of earnings growth expected for 23. There are some who think we're gonna have an earnings decline. There are others who say flat. We still believe zero to 5% is the, the working number for next year for all the data that we view. So if you're building a portfolio today, um, nobody knows, nobody rings a bell at the bottom. So you build a portfolio today to invest over time. You wanna have your list ready. And, and, and I think it was Jim who said this, growth at a reasonable price, was an acronym that was thrown out over the last few years. Nobody even knew it. New investors today don't even know what GARP is. GARP is back. 
GARP is likely to stay and build your list now and be ready to, to, to invest over time. And, and I think you can reasonably say when inflation peaks, Scott, um, you know, Chair Powell said it's peaking, but when it actually peaks as evidenced by their gauge, that's the sign that the market is ready to resume the secular bull uptrend. Well, I mean, you could look at the data, the CPI, and, and I understand it's, it's still unbelievably hot and too high, but some are looking at that and suggesting that inflation has in fact peaked. It's just going to be super sticky on the way down, which complicates the Fed's job a little bit. But at least you can perhaps make the claim backed up by data that says inflation is and has peaked and it's going to start coming down. It's just going to be slow. Yeah, I don't think enough of the so-called uh, investors willing to put money to work yet believe that. Now, when that when that those clouds start to dissipate, when does that happen? Probably in the next month. And we say that because money growth is collapsing right now. Money money growth is falling pretty hard, and that is the that is the fuel to sticky inflation. And as that comes down, even if you don't get to the Fed's preferred target, having that understanding in the marketplace will ultimately dictate to the end of the bond, you know, the, the long end of the bond market, some of it taking that cue right now, that, you know, perhaps in 23, the Fed's going to have to stop balance sheet contraction because they may have gone too far. And that could be the signal that everyone's looking at for the growth stocks to catch that bid again. I wouldn't wait for that, however. I'd build a diversified yeah. portfolio right now. And if you're fully invested, I'd begin rebalancing over the course of the next month. You got you to gotta forgive me. We're going to keep it brief today. I've got a million things going on that I want to get to, but we'll do it again soon. That's Chris Heisey, Merrill Bank of America, the CIO, joining us there. Coming up, a double downgrade for both Ford and GM. The stock's off about 50% from their recent highs. The debate and the trades with you-know-who. He's sitting right to my left. That's our call of the day. Halftime reports back at Post 9 after this. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit odfl.com to learn more. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. All right, still red for the major averages, a little bit off the, the worst levels of uh, when we came on the air about 24 minutes or so ago. But we do uh, continue to watch what's happening in the crypto market. So does Kate Rooney. Uh, I want to bring her in here. You know, Kate, I, I wanted you to come on because there is growing concern from some um, about what all of this is going to eventually mean. The yeah, amount Scott, of wealth destruction. 
Oh, absolutely. No, no, it's interesting. I mean, you're spot on there. I've been talking to a ton of different investors in the past 24 hours. People are really shaken up by this. So stable coins, the, the reason this really matters is a lot of traders use these uh, cryptocurrencies that are pegged to the price of the dollar to get in and out of their trade. So instead of sort of selling out and getting into dollars and getting off of an exchange, they're going to park a lot of their money in Tethers, the big one, biggest by market cap, about $80 billion. And then this Luna token has grown to the third largest. It is a significant part of the crypto market. So any dislocation there does have effects on what happens in Bitcoin, what happens in Ether. We're seeing that in prices today as well. And then I've talked to a lot of skeptics. I mean, people quietly would tell me that they didn't believe in this algorithmic stablecoin idea. But there were some high-profile backers. The founder of this whole thing, Do Kwan, is a charismatic guy. People really believed in him. And then Terraform Labs, his startup, had some high-profile investors. You had Galaxy Digital and Mike Novogratz, Coinbase Ventures, Pantera, some really well-respected investors in the space were vocal supporters of this project. That really gave retail investors a lot of confidence, but we're seeing the ripple effects here in crypto markets. And people are saying it's another effect of sort of a young, uh, they call them crypto native, but I've been talking to investors who say this is one effect of hiring people who have never been through multiple cycles, don't know the historic significance of something like the Argentine peso being pegged to the dollar. And there's people who've pointed to plenty of examples of this over history with things like bank runs. We're seeing that play out in the crypto markets now, and uh, it's really hitting prices. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Keep an eye on that. We'll talk to you again soon. That's Kate Rooney for us, just giving us an update on what's really been an astonishing evaporation of wealth. I don't know what else you would call it from from the crypto markets. And as Josh said at the very top of the program today, he'd like to at least see some stabilization there before you feel better about the overall market, because so many things are are directly correlated with one another. Let's move and talk about our call of the day. And it is a very bearish call on the autos. General Motors and Ford both double downgraded today to underweight at Wells Fargo, the firm saying 2022 could be peak profits for legacy automakers. It's our call of the day. You, you guys know by now that, that uh, this guy right to my left here, Jim Labenthal, you own GM. You've owned it for a while. Uh, our Phil LeBeau sends me a note. It's, it's GM's just 59 cents from its IPO price of November 2010. It's unbelievable. And it's very disappointing. I, you know, I won't hide from that either. But I, you know, I read the note, and it seems to be two things. It's, it's not just peak uh, legacy uh, car profits, but it's also rising costs in the EV space. Uh, the first part I so strongly disagree with that it swamps the second part, that first part being peak profit and legacy internal combustion engine uh, uh, business. The demand that has pent up, been pent up for the last year and a half for cars hasn't gone away. People still need to drive and the cars that they're driving physically depreciate, like they actually physically need to be replaced. On top of that, there is a construction boom going on that requires pickups for general contracts, building those semiconductor plants, building those EV plants, building new mines all over the place. I just simply, I find it hard to believe that that demand is going to go away. Now, some may say, yeah, but there's going to be a recession, right? That's a big topic du jour. Well, I mean, that's no small thing just to throw out there. It's no small thing. It's not a little aside. Okay, okay. Uh, You're absolutely right. But I I go back to something I said earlier today. We're now on, I think, the 11th week, Scott, of 200,000 or less on a weekly jobless claims. Last week, we got 400,000 jobs. I understand. And you and I have talked about this a lot. It's what's going to come next. But I've been waiting for that shoe to drop in terms of job destruction that it just hasn't shown well, what up What are you yet. giving it? Like, you, you've given it like a matter of two weeks no, for no, that no, to no, happen. No, 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 no. We've been talking right? about this. You and I have been talking about this for months. Yeah, but I understand. But the, the, 
Won't you admit that the, the, the world feels a little unsettled? The, the global will, economy will, feels a little more unsettled than you've been willing to admit to? Um, I, I will, but it doesn't feel that much unsettled than, say, two months ago or three months ago. The only thing I that think I would, it does. I, the only thing I would I, throw I back in my own face is the negative GDP print, GDP print for the first quarter. That is something that stares me in the face to say, whoa, what's going on here? Now, it is explainable by inventory accumulation or, de- or you know, depletion in this case. But if you look at the economic activity, look at the regional Fed surveys, look at these ISM surveys, they are still solidly expansionary. I submit to you, with the evidence outside of that negative GDP print, we're awfully far from a recession. And the, the nearest high-frequency data are those jobless claims. They're at 200,000. That's an extraordinarily low, low number. Josh? I'm sorry. No, go jo- ahead. Josh, go ahead. You, you made the point, I think it was maybe a week or so ago, and you and uh, Jim were arguing this point, that the way you looked at the charts, which you do very closely, that GM was already in a, a stock was broken. Uh, the, the chart was broken. Uh, and th- this stock was going to continue to go lower. And, and here we are on a double downgrade. You used to own GM. So what do you make of this? It's a broken stock in a broken sector in a broken market. So I don't say that to be flip about it. I love the fundamental story here. Um, but I would say that the proximate cause of today's downdraft has nothing to do with the economy. This is an analyst doing the same thing with GM and Ford for the same reason, which is that the raw materials, in order to make the vehicles that are going to cannibalize the old vehicles that they were focused on, are going substantially higher and that this might be peak profitability. Nothing to do with technicals. This analyst is talking about what Jim talks about. Uh, He's concerned that 2022 will be peak profitability. You've got regulations in place so that these companies have to pivot toward these next-gen vehicles, and the costs to make these next-gen vehicles are going to be much, much higher. Now, Wells Fargo could be wrong, and those material costs could actually be overstated, and in that case, Jim will win, but on a shorter-term basis, this stock technically broke down. All that means, it's not magic. What that means is where the buyers should have come in at previous support, not only did they not come in, but a lot of them turned into sellers. And so I can't have anything to do with this. I have to circle the wagons around the names that I really want to be in fundamentally. Um, and I've got plenty of stocks that are down 30 and 40%. I don't need more. So I yeah. got out of GM with a very small gain. I let a bigger gain uh, go away. It was not a great situation for me. Um, but I didn't want to see a gain turn into a loss. And had I stuck around past that breakdown, would have been one more stock in my portfolio with a, with a loss. So I'm not there. Yeah. I'm not interested in being there. I wish Jim well. Okay. So we got to bounce, but I'll give you the last yeah, word. I, I mean, listen, I don't, I don't argue with what you're saying, Josh. I would merely point your, your very nice comment, broken stock, broken sector, broken market frankly applies to almost all of the stock market right now so i it's i agree yeah i'm talking relative (laughs) yeah i I know you do we're not arguing it's just like all right here's where we are in the market all right still ahead disney is lower after earnings it's down 30 percent this year one member of the investment committee today is jumping into the stock into the stock we'll debate it next The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. 
crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back. I'm Christina Partsonevelis. Here's our CNBC News update at this hour. The UN Human Rights Council establishing an investigation into human rights abuses by Russian troops in Ukraine. China and Eritrea were the only members to vote against the resolution. This after UN investigators reported that 1,000 civilian bodies, including children, were found in the Kyiv region alone, some of which appear to have been executed. The latest from Ukraine tonight on the news, 7 p.m. Eastern, only on CNBC. The White House commemorating another grim milestone, one million American lives lost to COVID-19. President Biden marking the day by ordering flags to be lowered and hosting a virtual COVID-19 summit with world leaders. The president calling on Americans to continue the fight and urging world leaders to invest in preventing future variants. And in a historic first, scientists captured an image of the black hole at the center of our galaxy. The photo is the only or is only the second image of a black hole ever taken and provides photographic evidence of what lies at the center of the Milky Way galaxy, about 27,000 light years away and 4 million times larger than the sun. Halftime, we'll be right back after this break. Wild session yet again. You see the Nasdaq uh, on your screen there had gone green just a short time ago, and the Dow and the S&P are off their worst level. So we'll keep an eye on all of that. We're watching Disney as well. That's trying to move back towards the flat line. The company missed estimates, did report stronger subscriber numbers. And, Doc, you bought the shares today. I did, Scott. It broke par today. I didn't buy it at 99 or whatever the low was. But at 101, I decided, yep, I'm going to buy some stock. It's rallied a little bit off of that. Um, I didn't care about the subscriber numbers so much, Scott, for streaming, and here's why. It's like when the pilot says, we're lost, but we're making good time. You're not making money with these subscribers. It's just a money-losing pit. But ESPN, that was great. Um, the fact that the parks, 100% year over year, of course, because they were locked down. But when you get them into those parks, they're riding on, oh, I don't know, 
rides that are based on Disney movies and things like that. So I think this is going to continue to do well. And at 101 or thereabouts, Scott, I think you've got a value here that I just couldn't dismiss. Okay. Jenny, you own Disney as well. What's your read here? Kind of the same. We actually thought it was a pretty good quarter. And what we looked at is the fact that... Um, that subscribers were higher, the park revenue was higher than expected, and also that at the parks, consumers are spending more than they did in 2019. So when we first bought this, our thesis was that they'd eventually return to $10 of earnings. That's obviously going much slower than we expected, but we're still committed to that, and we'll just sit patiently. We think it's a terrific company. All right, Jim, you own it too? Yeah, it's funny that uh, John and I came to the same conclusion, but for diametrically opposed reasons. I actually do place a lot of faith on the subscriber numbers, but here's where this matters. That's the long-term investment thesis, is that those subscriber numbers and getting to 220, 240 million uh, two years from now will lead to rather gargantuan profits. Um, but in the here and now, it is the theme parks mm. and the movies, Scott. I mean, uh, Doctor Strange, 185 mm. million last weekend in the box office yeah. take. That's an astronomical number. Um, so it's a question of short term. It's the it's the legacy business. Long term, it's the subscriber business. Number of price target cuts today. Wells uh, to 153 from 182. Key Bank to 151 from 216. Goldman to 148 from 205. B of A to 140 from 191. BMO 135 from 140. I mean, in the most case, you have some pretty sizable cuts there. Just yeah, still some still some good gains yeah, from where all... we are. Okay, Jenny, you go ahead. No, I was just going to say quick, the same Jenny, thing. They quick. also still suggest 35 to 50 percent upside. Those even with those cut targets, it suggests a lot of upside. People are positive yeah. on the stock. If if you believe the analysts are uh, are going to be right, maybe they're wrong to cut <laughs> the price. Question. All right, <laughs> Dutch Bros. <laughs> That's tanking after uh, cutting its guidance. Josh Brown owns the name. He's talked about it a number of times. We'll find out what he thinks now. Plus, we're celebrating Asian American and Pacific Islander heritage, featuring some of our CNBC teammates and contributors. Here's William Lee, Milken Institute Chief Economist. My parents had expected me to become part of the middle class by becoming an engineer. And I never wanted to disappoint them. But I knew that being an engineer was not something I had a passion for. My mother was so disappointed she never told any of our relatives I switched out of aeronautical engineering. And yet, after that passion and getting my PhD, I found a career at the Federal Reserve International Monetary Fund. I was the chief US economist at Citi, and now I'm the chief economist at the Milken Institute. So my advice to every Chinese American out there, every Asian American out there, is yes, respect your parents' wishes, but also follow your heart. Dutch Bros. Need to talk about that one. There it is today, down nearly 30%, dipping below its IPO price after earnings, now on pace for its worst day ever. Josh Brown, what do you want to tell people about this one? You've, you've spent your final trade a number of times. Uh, I mean, it's ugly. Yep. Look, everybody's, everybody's is- suffering through a lot of pain in some names like this, but talk to me. 
Yeah, this was the only name in my portfolio that hadn't crashed yet, so I should have known better. Uh, I bought a little bit this morning. I don't know if it's over, but it's totally stupid. If you actually look at what the company reported, revenue growth was above expectations. They're still on pace to open 130 stores this year. They're not backing down from growth plans at all. This, this chain is on fire. The problem and what the market is reacting to is dairy prices are up 25% in the quarter, which is crazy and obviously unsustainable. So whatever. Today was, was their turn uh, in the barrel. This is what it looks like. It was as low as 19 this morning. I think I bought a little bit more at 22 uh, or 22 and change. Again, we'll see if that's the worst it gets, but I'm very excited about this as a long-term investment. I have no idea you know, what this market's going to do with the price in the near term. We're in, a, we're in a crashing market for growth stocks. That's really the, the only thing that I can say. It won't matter short term. Uh, all right. We got some more coming up on, uh, on crypto. Uh, there's a development there. Kate Rooney has a news alert for us. What do we know here? Hey, Scott, that's right. So the Terra blockchain, this is sort of the back end software infrastructure behind everything that's going on with that stable coin we mentioned and the cryptocurrencies that are collapsing this week. This is halted, meaning basically no economic activity can go on here. Exchanges can still trade these tokens, Luna and Terra USD, the ones we've been talking about all week and really have seen a lot of weakness, but they're basically trading IOUs. So there's nothing happening on the back end. Exchanges can still trade, but again, no real economic activity. And, you know, Terra really is impaired here at this point. The next big thing to watch would be exchanges delisting these tokens. And really, that would be the nail in the coffin here. But another update uh, amid some of the struggles for the two big cryptocurrencies we've talked about, Terra USD and Luna, which are both associated. Scott, back to you. All right. I appreciate Yeah, I appreciate you staying on top of that. Uh, Kate Rooney, thank you. Let's talk to Jenny about some of the new moves uh, that she has in the market that we really want to get to as well uh, today. You bought a, f- a few things, uh, Jenny. Um, American Eagle Outfitters got a big dividend yield, 5.7%. AEO, why? So this is an an effort in preparedness and patience. We had actually researched the retailers a couple months ago when the market started to really pull them down as people got more and more worried about the consumer. The retailers across the board traded down 50, 60 plus percent. And so we started looking at them and saying, what's reality? What's valuation? Where do we go from here? And then we sat patiently and waited for them to come to us. So on American Eagle, here's what you've got. You've got a company that should earn about $2 a share, trading at about $14 a share. That's a seven times multiple. It also has a 72 cent dividend yield. So that's very well covered. Let's presume I'm wrong, right? And that the consumer is way weaker than I expect and earnings are a dollar instead of $2. Then you have a company that's trading at 14 times earnings and still has a well-covered dividend. So this is exactly where I wanna be hiding out right now. But what's nice is my worst case, I think, is I collect that 5.7% dividend yield. My best case is the consumer holds up as well as we expect them to, which by the way, isn't great. We're not being Pollyanna about it, but it's just not terrible as the stocks are reflecting. And they report some pretty good earnings like Tapestry did this morning, and the share price actually gives us a nice return. The other one is Easterly Government Properties, DEA, same div yield, 5.7%, so REIT. Mm-hmm. But totally different company and totally different earnings expectations. So the ticker DEA stands for Drug Enforcement Agency. This is a real estate investment trust that owns government office properties. But the key here is that they own things like DEA and FBI buildings that have huge barriers to replacement. It's not like an IRS building where they could just move. and so. 
It's got a 5.7% yield. It trades at 13 and a half times earnings. I do not think there's huge growth here, but as they renew their rents, they renew kind of in a, a inflation and CPI escalations. So they actually should do well in an inflationary environment, even though it will be a bit delayed. This is one that's traded down over the last couple weeks in line with office buildings, with um, highly leveraged companies, with other triple net lease REIT companies. So it really gave us this opportunity. By the way, I've been researching this thing for seven years and it hasn't made sense to buy it because there's such limited upside, the opportunity cost of owning something that maybe would only give me 10, 20% upside plus a 5.7% yield wasn't great enough. But in this environment, if I think I can get 10 or 20% plus 5.7, it sure makes sense to me now. Wow, all right, seven years, finally a move. All right, Jenny, thanks. <laughs> I hey, stay know. with us. Dr. J has unusual activity coming up next. Are you following the Halftime Report podcast? What are you waiting for? Real debate and actionable advice from the Investment Committee, plus unusual activity and more. Look for us in your favorite podcasting app. Follow the Halftime Podcast now. Dr. J, unusual. Tell us. Let's start off with Nicola, Scott. Um, Nicola, uh, they bought 15,000, that's 1.5 million share equivalent of the 550 calls that expire next Friday, May 20th. So with the stock right there at $5.50, I joined them. My idea is I'll start selling upside calls against it as it moves to the upside. Second one, KWeb. This is, of course, a play on internet stocks in China. Back in March, it bottomed at about 21. It took it just two days to hit 30. And now somebody's betting it makes a similar move again here, Scott. They bought 20,000 of the June 26 calls with that particular stock or ETF trading at 24.50. Third and final, take a look at SPY. This is uh, something that people are accumulating just below that Mike Wilson target at about uh, 378 is where they bought these. They expired the 27th of May. They bought about 11,000 of those puts, Scott. Dr. J, thank you very much. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, we'll do final trades next. Big interview momentarily, Bill Miller. That's on the exchange coming up in just a few moments. Please watch overtime tonight at 4 o'clock Eastern. With everything going on in the crypto universe, Skybridge Capital's Anthony Scaramucci is going to join me. Stephanie Link will be with me. Saria Malik will be with me, the CIO of Nuveen. Uh, you don't want to miss any of those interviews, and I'll see you in just about three hours' time. But let's do final trades, gang, before we go. Jenny, you start us off, please. Okay, from our disciplined growth strategy, I think we need to start to be careful differentiating story stocks and growth stocks. United Rentals has $24 of earnings, and those are expected to grow by 33% this year. Trades at 9.6 times earnings, and you get to buy it 20% cheaper than where it was a month ago. Thank you. Josh Brown? Uh the Amazon sell-off is another one that's pretty stupid. The stock is now trading below where it was in February of 2020. If you're in this and you haven't sold it yet, what, what exactly are you waiting for? I think the sellers exhaust themselves right around here. 
it's one of those that are in the green uh, today. As I, you know, we talked a lot about Apple and Microsoft at the top. Apple's still red. Microsoft was still red. Dr. J, what do you have for us? KRE, Regional Banking uh, ETF. They're buying puts. I bought the June 59 puts, Scott. All right. And uh, Farmer Jim, right here to yeah, my left. Scott, it's been great having you on set. You too. Thanks nice for coming to see down you. here. Nice to see you in person. What do you Very got? Nice. Yeah, you know, with where the market is, Scott, I think you play the ball from the middle of the fairway. Raytheon Technologies, solid industrial, good defense company. I hate to say it, but their products are in high demand. I mean, sometimes when I play it from the middle of the fairway, it still goes into the trees. So <laughs> We're not maybe, talk uh, about maybe that. you're a little bit better. Positive <laughs> energy here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, thank you. Uh, thanks to all of you as well. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.